drunk. Hello, everybody. We are back. Welcome to the Popcorn Society podcast. I am uh, one of your hosts, Bryn. And with me, as always, is my partner, Troy. Troy, how are you? I'm great, Bryn. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And uh, as per usual, I think you have a little bit of a, a drink going to, you know, liquid courage it up. What do you got tonight? Tonight, I have some Maker's Mark bourbon, kind of been my go-to for the last week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I drained it tonight. So next week, it'll probably be something different. And you like it with the, uh, on the rocks? Uh, on Neat. these hot nights, I do like it on the rocks. But in the cooler months, I will generally drink it neat. And every once in a while, I'll have it in an old-fashioned. Well, I also like my my whiskey, my bourbon, my rye on the rocks, but usually just one or two ice cubes, not a whole lot of ice, just just a little bit. Well, uh, I have a fancy Death Star ice cube in mine. Nice. Well, I have the bullet tonight, and uh, yeah, I think we're, we're both feeling good. We're on episode five now, which is pretty amazing. If you look back, we've done Oppenheimer, we've done Ninja Turtles, we've done Guardians of the Galaxy our last one on Secret Invasion, and we're kind of hitting all facets of the movie industry. And so far, so good, I think. You likes? I totally like it. Five's my um, favorite number, so this one I think is going to be a, a winner. Five's going to be awesome. And our audience out there, the Popcorn Society audience, is growing. I see the numbers, and our listeners are enjoying are the four? show. Four. It's more than four, I would okay. say. I don't, I don't want to spoil the secret here. I can't tell you the exact number of listeners we have, but it's definitely... Not four, a lot more than four. Okay. Yeah. All right. Looks when like when we start more. having commercials and ads, and you know we have a lot more listeners um, on board. Oh. So we're somewhere between there. <laughs> I'm out. I'm not selling out to the man. You're not selling out? Okay. We'll we'll um we'll crowdfund this thing before we do ads. Okay. As long as we make some money. I mean, making money is better than making no money, I would think, right? Brent, I thought we were doing this for the love of movies. Oh, it is for the love. But don't we also love money? No, I shouldn't say that. You shouldn't love money. You should just like it. Isn't that what porn stars say about their job? I don't know. I don't know any porn stars. Uh, I don't know if we should be quoting porn stars. I mean, this could be kids listening to this. Come on. What's going on? Well, anyways, uh, we're on episode five. This thing is moving right along, and we're happy to be here today. And today, we are going to be talking about a Disney movie. Troy, you picked this movie out. We are going to be talking about The Emperor's New Groove. How do you feel about The Emperor's New Groove? episode tease it up for us i am so excited to be talking about this movie i love this movie i think this is one of the most i won't even say most underrated because it has started to get a cult following i think a Mm. lot of people especially with disney plus you know a lot of people are finding it now it is definitely i've been seeing a lot of memes that are based on emperor's new groove here we are 23 years later and i think the movie has finally found its footing i love this movie and i can't wait to talk about it yeah, you are definitely high on Emperor's New Groove. Were you always this high on it, or is this kind of more of a recent thing, like looking back and, hey, this movie actually deserves a, a second look. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Or were you just from the get-go, loved the movie back in 2000? So I actually saw it in the theater back in 2000. I saw mm-hmm. it with my daughter. Um, she was three at the time, a little over three. One thing, I was living in Maryland, and we went. it was just my daughter and I, my wife, ex-wife now, but... She stayed home because she didn't really want to see this movie. I was at that time, you know, I was anything Disney that came out. I mean, I love Disney. So is that part of the reason why she's your ex-wife now? She didn't want to go see Disney movies with you? Yes. Okay. So 
Sorry, did that mean that's part of that's that's part of the reason, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sorry about that. Go on. That's okay. I remember before the movie even started, this is just a random thought, but we were sitting in the theater and it wasn't very full, but it was in their big house. Shania Twain started playing over the the speakers, over the PA, and it was the song Up and my daughter just for some reason loved that song. She started dancing and she slipped and we were sitting in kind of the front not the front row at the all the way in front of the screen, but the first row of seats in the walkway between the seats. Mm -hmm. And she slipped, fell, and hit her chin on the metal railing that was there. I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she just kind of looked up at me and she's like, I'm fine. And she just started dancing again to the song. So so that kind of warmed my heart a little bit. And that's why, you know, that was before Emperor's New Groove. So this, I mean, the movie itself is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. I loved the movie when I saw it back in 2000, you know, because of that special moment with my daughter and how happy she was to be dancing to Shania Twain's Up. Like this movie has always had a special place in my heart. And I remember trying to talk to people about the movie and they're like oh no i haven't seen it and they weren't interested in seeing it so it wasn't until about i would say 10 years ago i think it started to find a, a following you know i would hear people randomly quoting the movie and i was like is are you quoting emperor's new groove and they're like yeah i love that movie i just saw it on on dvd and i was like once again i fell in love with that the fact that people were actually now starting to see the movie and wow. I think this is one of my favorite Disney movies that's not a musical. Yeah, I think the movie is endlessly quotable. Um, it's got a great story and it's hilarious. The voice acting is great and we'll get into that. But I want to know, you you just recently saw the movie, right? Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I got to admit, when you, when we were talking about, you know, the, doing this movie for this episode, I was a little shocked, not shocked, but kind of taken aback. I'm like, you want to do what? Emperor's New Groove? But being the good Popcorn Society partner I am, I'm like, All right, let's do it. Let's do Emperor's New Groove. No wonder you have such a nostalgic connection to this movie that, you know, based on what you just said, I understand a little bit more about why you have that connection to it. I had never seen it. And I didn't realize there was a cult following to it. But thanks to Disney Plus, these kind of movies that were maybe overlooked. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised you chose this film. After what you just talked about, I kind of understand it now. You have a definitely a, you know, a, a nostalgic connection to the to the movie, which is awesome. I don't remember seeing it at all in theaters. I definitely didn't. I don't even remember it coming out, to be honest with you. It's kind of one of those overlooked, I think, Disney films the last 20, 30 years. But it's interesting you say it's got a cult following. I kind of think that is happening more with the Disney Plus platform and films that maybe got passed over in the past are getting more viewership, getting more people that are actually paying attention to them and, and appreciating them. I personally thought the movie was just okay. I don't think it's anything amazing or great. And I'll get more into that details, those details a little bit later. Yeah, it's just, it was so interesting to me that you actually picked this movie. I thought you picked something else in the spectrum here. And kind of on that same topic, is this your favorite like Disney animated movie of all time? And if not, like what is like your favorite Disney movie? Just just animation, not like Pirates of the Caribbean or something. But what's your favorite right. Disney? This isn't my favorite Disney movie. I think this is the funniest Disney movie. Funniest, okay. Uh, my favorite Disney movie is The Little Mermaid, the original Little Mermaid, which pretty much started the whole Disney Renaissance era. I'm not sure if I like that movie because it was the first movie that was a great Disney movie after early 80s were not great for Disney. 
you know, a lot of the movies that came out were not fantastic. The Little Mermaid was the first one to be really spectacular, and I just loved it. I loved the songs. I loved the animation. Um, yeah, that was kind of a game changer type of film for Disney animation. Before that, people don't really remember this or know that, but like Disney wasn't what it was in terms of animated films. It wasn't the top dog. The other oh, company, no. I don't know what it was called, maybe Blumhouse or something like that, but the company that put out like America, not America, the company that put out American Tale right. and like All Dogs Go to Heaven, like that was where all the, the good animated films were coming from. And then Disney kind of turned it around with The Little Mermaid and they, they set themselves off for the next 10, 15 years on hit after hit after hit. And that film turned it around for them because it wasn't always the case before that. It was, I still think that the whole Disney Renaissance period was great. I mean, they had some misses, especially some of the movies that came out right before Emperor's New Groove, which is sort of like towards the end of their renaissance mm-hmm. period. The Little Mermaid, I think, always has a special place in my heart. I love the songs in The Little Mermaid. Just the story itself, I was always a fan of the Hans Christian Andersen story. So that's my favorite Disney film of all, okay. of all time. What and... about what about Aladdin? That is my all-time favorite Disney film. And it, it did occur during what I think you're referring to as like this renaissance from 19... 19- was it 89 through like 99 where they had Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, um, Mulan, Tarzan, all these ones came out in a period of like 12, 13 years. Right. And Aladdin just stuck for me. I remember, I think I did watch that in theaters as a, as a kid. I couldn't wait to get the VHS tape. I watched it so many times. Just the action. And I think Robin Williams as the genie was just like gold to me. Um, he was perfectly cast for that role. And it's still like funny to this day if you watch uh, Aladdin again. They, they they did kind of bomb a little bit with the the live action remake, but man, Aladdin was was it for me. That was my favorite Disney film. It probably still is to this day, but I think there are films that are better. They've been in the last you know fifteen. Not excuse me. There's probably better films that have been made the last five ten years. But yeah, Aladdin was my favorite. What about Pixar films? What about do those like hold a lot of weight to you as well, or do you you kind of separate those in a different box? I mean, I do love the Pixar films. And originally, you know, Pixar was its own um, studio and Disney just distributed the films until Disney bought Pixar. And I remember seeing Toy Story in the theater for the first time and I was absolutely blown away with the visuals. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just the visuals. I mean, it was, you know, groundbreaking, the the first all-computer animated movie. But the story was great for Toy Story as well. You know, I love the characters. You know, it wasn't a musical per se, but the songs in it were really cool. I like those. So Pixar, I would have to say my favorite Pixar movie. I don't know. It's a toss-up. I mean, I love the Toy Story franchise. I love love all the Toy Story movies. I really love Finding Nemo as well. So That was a little boring for my taste, but it was a good story. Yeah. Oh, no. I love the story of Finding Nemo. I thought it was was funny as well. Overall, I would say I I have to pick, you know, Toy Story 1 through 4 cuz I kind of see them all as Yeah. You know, I'll one you big do that. That's movie. fair. What about right. Coco? So, no, I love Coco. The visuals are great on on Coco. That's a great yeah. movie. I mean, Pixar's had very few misses. One movie that I wasn't I'm not as high on like some other people. And this is the thing about Pixar. There's certain movies that Pixar that people just latch onto and love. Like there are people who love Wally and that's their favorite Pixar movie. That's not, I wouldn't even put 
Wally in my top five. You know, there are people who love um, Brave. And once again, that's not even in my top five. It's still a great, I mean, even a mediocre Pixar movie, I still think is superior to a lot of other animated features from other studios. Yeah, I, I think so. I agree with that. And at first, Pixar movies were very easy to distinguish between other Disney animated, but the last 10 years, they kind of look similar because it's all CGI, you know, you know, animation now, whereas Pixar was only, you know, studio doing that from 1995 to maybe 2010. Some people, even my friends and family are like, hey, is this like a Pixar movie or is this a Disney animation movie? They, they can't tell the difference because they look a little similar. Uh, for example, like Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, Moana, like those are not Pixar films, even though they look kind of all the same in terms of animation style. I think Pixar is kind of differentiating themselves a little bit with, with what, how they're doing their animation these days. It kind of blends together a little bit for the untrained eye or the un, untrained Disney person as what that's a Pixar film or what's a Disney animation film. But they're pumping them both out year after year. For me, the easiest way to tell the difference between a Disney animated feature and a Pixar because most Disney animated features now are computer generated as well. Disney animated features tend to be more musicals, whereas the Pixars tend to be less musicals. I mean, they might have a song in them, but they're not a musical per se, where the characters break out into song. You know, Frozen, Moana, those are our Disney animated features, and those are traditional music. I think Wreck-It Ralph is probably, you know, the one exception to that. That's not Yeah, really Wreck-It Ralph's not. Right. Um, and then Big Pixar. Hero 6, another one that's yeah. that's not Pixar and not musical. And right. did you see Strange World? That was kind of a I left a lot to be desired, I think. And I've stayed away from that movie. I, I couldn't comment on it one way or another. I mean, I haven't seen, is it called Strange World? Mm -hmm. Strange World. And then I haven't seen the new um, Lightyear movie either. Okay. What about Elemental? Have not seen that Sorry. yet. Is that out on streaming? I think it's coming out in a matter of days. Actually, by the time okay. this podcast comes out, it might be available to you folks on Disney+. Plus. But it's yeah, they're coming out year after year. They're all they're all usually quality films. So I think it's harder and harder. It gets harder to deliver like that one that stands out. Like, for example, I think they've hit it out of the park with Moana and Frozen recently. Those, those hits have been massive, I think, for Disney animation. Don't forget it, Tangled. Tangled's Tangled, yeah, movie. probably in the same uh, category there, same grouping, Tangled, uh, Moana, and Frozen. I've seen them a lot, especially because I have young kids. Um, I've seen Moana like 10,000 times, and I still get tired of it, but I still watch it like, you know what, this is actually a pretty good film, and the ending always gets me emotional. And Pixar, I think, can use a, use a victory here, though, a more I mean, recent one. I mean, they yeah, had, go ahead. They, they Pixar could use... I think, uh, you know, a winner here as well. They really haven't had a, a good one in a while, I think. Like you said, Lightyear was okay. Well, you haven't seen it, but their their best, the best Pixar film of recent years is probably Turning Red. That one actually is pretty catchy. I like that one. But Elemental now, so, so. It, It's weird because do you think that whole controversy with i forgot his name now the guy who used to head and was ousted i forget i don't know anyway since his departure do you feel like disney or pixar has gone downhill and it might be because he left i think it could be but i do think they're kind of Lasseter. that's his name bob Lasseter. well i John think Lasseter. they are yeah. they are gonna go back to the well a little bit because i heard they're gonna do another toy story which everybody i'm sure is totally open to give me more buzz lightyear and woody and Tim Allen and and Tom Hanks. I mean, that, that all those films are, are great. I think well, so. Woody's done. He's gone. Oh, but they're not going to do a Toy Story five without Woody. Come on, oh. you can't do that. 
You can't do that. Uh, so the original three Toy Stories, when Toy Story 3 ended, that was the end of Andy's art. And then Toy Story 4 was the end of Woody's art, which is why, you know, he kind of says bye to the gang. Yeah, because he, he stays behind he, Bo Peep. <laughs> right. Toy Story 5, we're still going to have, you know, Buzz and, and Rex and that whole group. But I'm, I mean, I'm sure they might bring Woody back. But from what I, everything I've read, they were saying this is the end of Woody's story. If there's any more Toy Stories, it'll be without Woody. I would be shocked. I'd probably, I'd bet you a bottle of whiskey that uh, Woody will be in Toy Story 5. That's how, how confident big a I bottle am. bottle of whiskey? A big one. Oh, okay. Big one. Okay. A Costco bottle of whiskey. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is it a bet? Right. Yeah, it's a bet. All right. We have a witness. We have a whole podcast here that uh, we, have four we can refer back to. All four of our listeners. We have more than four listeners, but yes. Well, let's get back to what you know. What we're talking about today, that the Emperor's New Groove. A few details here. It came out in the year 2000. Uh, we came out in 2000. It's about an hour and 20 minutes long. Uh, directed by Mark Dindle. If I'm saying that correctly. He doesn't have a lot in terms of claim to fame. I know he did direct Chicken Little, which came out in 2005. Um, that's all I have on that guy. Um, but I think the big castings here are David Spade as the, the main character, the emperor himself, Cusco, um, John Goodman as Pacha, and Patrick Warburton as Kronk. And we'll talk more about the performances a little bit. But Troy, what do, why don't you give us the, the good old popcorn plot that is the plot of this movie in 60 seconds or less for the emperor's new groove. And I will start the timer in five, four... Three, two, one. Go for it. Well, it's a pretty simple, basic story. It's David Spade's Emperor Cusco. He's kind of a vain, selfish, cocky ruler of the Incan Empire. He gets turned into a llama after a failed poisoning attempt by his advisor, Yzma, who's voiced by Eartha Kitt. He's dumped into the countryside by Yzma's kind of lovable henchman, Kronk, who's voiced by Patrick Warburton. And then he teams up with Pacha, who's a peasant in his empire, and he had previously told him he was going to destroy his village so he could build his, you know, Cusco-topia. But uh, he teams up with him to try to get him back to uh, his castle and transform him back into a human and get back at Yzma. That's pretty much it. All right. I'm stopping the timer. Yeah. One minute and four seconds. So okay. just a little bit over, I think, better than my attempt, but... I think it was That's way the plot, folks. You're way better. We'll get one day. We'll get under a minute for the popcorn plot. Okay. Good job. I think going back to the cast a little bit. Part of the reason why this doesn't, this movie didn't resonate with me completely, is that I'm not a big David Spade fan. He's kind of annoying to me. I always think of him as like you know the guy from Tommy Boy or Black Sheep. He doesn't really strike me as like a Disney voice actor, and so maybe I couldn't get over that. And another part of it was John Goodman, great voice actor, but I kept hearing Sully from Monsters, Inc. in his voice because that's what he's more famous for is that film, uh, which came out later than this one. It threw me for a loop. Like, oh, this guy, should he should be Sully. He should be Sullivan, the monster from Monsters, Inc., not this Pacha guy. But so those two things like didn't get me off to the greatest start. But I think Patrick Warburton did a good job. This guy, you, you would recognize his voice if you heard it anywhere. He's done lots of different voiceovers, also actor as well. I think he was even in Seinfeld at one point. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. But he was actually a highlight of the film, I think. What do you think about those actors? You're right. If... David, I mean, Emperor Cusco is pretty much David Spade. It's yeah, his totally. mannerisms. David Spade, he does himself as Cusco. 
for the mm -hmm. most part. So mm -hmm. yeah, so if you don't like David Spade, it's <laughs> You're already working up hill there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not going to like Cusco. But I also think that's fine, too, because Cusco is not a likable character at the, for most of this movie. He's selfish, he's he's pretty much heartless, and, you know, he is cocky. And that's why I think David Spade was a perfect casting for it. Because, you know, there's people who do not like David Spade and do not like Here, those mannerisms. Guilty, right? guilty. <laughs> and so, and that's fine, because you're not supposed to like Cusco at the beginning. He's, he's supposed to rub you the wrong way, right? Exactly. He's supposed to rub you. So that's why I think it was brilliant casting to have David Spade. Mm -hmm. uh, the John Goodman thing, I think, you know, I kind of get your point to it. When I first saw Emperor's New Groove, Monsters Inc. had come out. So there yeah. was that, not that Didn't association. Have that problem. Yeah. Right. And I thought he did a good, you know, he plays a man of the earth, just a nice, humble peasant who's, you know, he lives in this village and He's got a, his wife and his two kids who are adorable. And so I thought it was, that was even great voice casting, even though, you know, John Goodman doesn't have to do a lot. Pretty much the same tone throughout most yeah, of Yeah, he has a very distinctive kind of, I don't want to say monotone, but like a lower voice that's very, right. no, not noticeable, but distinguishable. Even now, like in 2023, you don't get that confusion or get that association with Sully popping through your head there or, or not right. at all. But to me, the, the best performance for me, hands down, is Eartha Kitt as Yzma. She just nails that. She has that perfect villainous kind of tone to her. And I had always been an Eartha Kitt fan because I used to watch the original Batman with Adam West. You know, mm -hmm. she played the first Catwoman mm -hmm. in that. So, you know, she's just oh, got that one. nice kind of kind of gravelly, scratchy voice that's perfect for this character. Is that my voice? <laughs> is that my voice? And she's also, she's funny. Her, her timing is great. Patrick Warburton, yeah, if, if you've seen Seinfeld, he's got a very distinctive voice. You, you'll recognize him. You know, the character mm -hmm. of Kronk is, is also, he's kind of a lovable henchman. He's almost a reluctant henchman. Yeah, and, he's kind of a doofus, but like, yeah. you know, he's funny. And I don't know if you know much about the backstory of this. They almost, they came up with his character. This movie... This animated film, I should say, has gone through a lot of iterations. It was shelved for a while. It was originally, I don't know if you knew this, it was originally going to be a musical, like their traditional Disney Renaissance musical. That probably would have and been a good gonna, idea, I think. And it was going to be called <laughs> Kingdom of the Sun. And Sting had written like five or six songs for it. And there's still a couple of Sting songs in this movie. There's a, an opening kind of theme song. And then the end credit song um, is also by Sting. Yeah. But it was going to be a full-blown musical kind of, less comedy more kind of a romantic a lot of ink and myths were going to be with it and then disney just thought it was the the studio execs thought it was too serious it was too there was too much going on they brought on mark dindle to be a co-director because mm -hmm. it was originally going to be directed by the person i think his name was greg allers he had directed the lion king he, he was the one who was originally on the project he was very passionate about it the execs didn't like it. They thought it was kind of, there was too much going on, too serious. So they brought on Mark Dindle to be a co-director to kind of lighten it up. But then eventually decided they wanted to go just full on comedy and mm -hmm. not musical at all. So then Allers kind of left the project. He was, he's like, okay, I, I don't want to do it anymore. And Mark Dindle took over as the director. It had several iterations to the right. movie. Originally, Owen Wilson was going to play Pacha. And he was kind of an unknown at that time. David yeah. Spade was always cast to be Emperor Cusco. And, and David Spade was, you know, more popular back in 2000 than he is now. You know, sure. take that into consideration. 
Right. So I could see why he might have been cast or why he was cast in the film. You know, so this movie did have it, it went through quite a production cycle and it was shelved for a while. Uh, and then they went for the full comedy. This movie has a very kind of almost Looney Tunes tone to it. You know, kind of the Bugs Bunny with the goofy hijinks. You know, there's a lot of physical comedy, you know, visual stuff. I told you I saw it with my daughter and I think I enjoyed it more than she did because of a lot of the comedy. I mean, there is a lot of physical comedy that she enjoyed, but there's also just a lot of innuendos that she didn't quite get, but I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Well, now that you um, mentioned it, I think the physical comedy, yeah, it is kind of present, almost like a Bugs Bunny type, you know, production with the physical comedy. I don't know. I do think though, having a musical element or musical number would have made it that much more better film. Like doesn't have to be a musical per se, like even Tarzan, it's not like a musical, but it had like the Phil Collins like songs woven in that were just amazing. And this definitely didn't go that route at all. There's like no musical, hardly any musical elements to this movie, but it's just a different direction, a different kind of animated film. But like you said, the comedy is definitely present with David Spade, John Goodman, not, not as much John Goodman, but David Spade and Patrick Warburton. Is it true there's like a kind of a cult following to this film? Because I'll bring this up. I've been to Disneyland many, many times, especially the last five to 10 years. I don't think I've ever seen anything related to Emperor's New Groove there that I can recall. Disney must not, they've kind of overlooked a little bit too. At least you would think you would, you would think that based on the theme parks, but maybe you're right. Maybe there is a cult following I'm not aware of, but like, I don't know. I think it's kind of a, overlooked a lot or passed over a lot in terms of Disney. When I say it has a cult following, it's more the demographic of adults because i think a lot of the humor is some of the funniest bits that i think are hilarious in the movie kids don't get it because it's a lot of innuendo it's a lot of sarcastic humor because of course david spade they don't really get that if you talk to somebody about emperor's new groove and i think if you asked any person under 10 years old they're going to say they don't like the movie but you ask anybody that's 18 or over Mm -hmm. or 25 and over and they'll be like oh yeah that movie's great it's hilarious i think that's what's driving the cult status of emperor's yeah. groove i think it's adults discovering that movie and realizing well i, I could kind of validate that for you a little bit because i did watch this with my my five-year-old and my three-year-old and I asked my five-year-old after me like did you like it he said no so he's very upfront and blunt about it he did not like him he did watch the whole thing i give him credit he stayed still mostly and paid attention he's very good at that for what for movies and he did not like it i'm not taking that harsh of a take on on the 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 film to what your point is it's more like an adult film in terms of getting the jokes it has a whole breaking the fourth wall element a lot in the film which you know a three five seven year old's not going to get right. i think that was kind of an, a neat thing to work in it's breaking the fourth wall um which you don't see too much in or at all maybe in disney films very little so that was kind of cool. Has your wife seen the movie? Yes, she watched it with me as well. Did she like it? I don't remember what she said. Is that bad or good? I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, think she. Married, so I don't think she loved it. I don't think she loved it. Gosh, I can't remember what she said. I think okay. I didn't want to talk about it with her because I was trying to save all my thoughts and ideas for the Popcorn Society podcast. I'll we'll talk get to her take later. About it. Yeah, talk, talk and, to her offline. <laughs> and, and and yeah, and I'll get her take on the movie. But here's the thing: I think also is that on multiple viewings, you you know, you start to get more of the because this movie is very fast paced the dialogue is fast paced it's boom 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 yeah kind of and, moves quickly mm -hmm. right so and i think that's why it goes by a lot of kids because it's 
you know, a lot of that I like is, is pretty quick, especially on multiple viewings. Since I originally saw it in the theater and I've seen it multiple times since then, I always pick up something new or something that, you know, it's like, oh yeah, it seems like a throwaway line, but it's hilarious. And yeah. and that's something that a kid would not get at all. I was like, oh, I think a lot of the lines that Kronk said were kind of like, you think they're throwaway lines, but they're like little innuendos of humor that you might right. not get the first time. A kid definitely won't get it, but like, it was pretty funny the way it was written. I think Kronk was a, a good comic relief in that way. There's one um, line, because they go to a restaurant. It's it's also very physical comedy because Isma and Kronk are at the restaurant as well. Pacha and Cusco are at the restaurant. This restaurant doesn't allow llamas, so Cusco <laughs> kind of dresses up as and pretends to be Pacha's wife. And when they come in, you know, he's not a very good looking wife. And Pacha says, oh, we're out on our honeymoon coming out. And I think the waitress, really quick line, if you blink, you miss it. She's like, bless you for coming out in public. Which no kid's going to get that, right? Yeah. None at all. I think I missed it the first time. And I think on a recent rewatching, I, that's just a hilarious line. It's just such a quick throwaway line. It's hilarious. And no kid's ever going to get that. I missed it the first time, but, you know, seeing it multiple times, I was like, that's just such a great line. It's it's a hilarious line. I think another element to this movie is that the unexpected happens a lot. And maybe you notice it, maybe you don't. But a few examples are towards the end of the movie, like Pacha and Cusco are running away from Kronk and shoot, what's the, what's the bad girl's name? The bad lady? Isma. Isma. They're running away from them. And they take a shortcut or they whatever, they go around, they, they lose them in the woods and they, they, they go to the castle. Kronk and Yzma fall down this this trench. But then they get to the castle, the emperor's there with Pacha, and all of a sudden, here comes the bad guys. They're like, how did you guys get here? Like, we left you guys behind. And they're like, they cut away. They said, oh, this really doesn't make any sense at all. I guess it's a plot hole. So they didn't explain like how they caught up to them or how they got back to the castle. Another example here is like towards the end of the film, Yzma takes this potion. You think she's going to transform into like this big serpent or some kind of like some big scary animal and she turns into like little helpless kitty cat. Is that my voice? Is that my voice? Which, you know, doesn't really happen in, in your typical animated Disney film. Right. Then but she hilarious. Fall- hilarious. Um so funny. Okay, I don't and know about the- hilarious, but it was funny. Yeah. I mean it's just little things like that just always bring a smile to my face when I'm watching this movie. Yeah. And you know, Brynn, I think in multiple viewings, I think you will appreciate this movie that's the thing i don't know how am i gonna get myself to watch it multiple times uh i did watch it kind of a second time because i might have dozed off a few times the first time but i wanted to make sure i got it right got a good viewing so i did watch it twice i also liked when at the end and again spoiler alert the kitty cat is falling off a cliff she's about to die you think she's gonna die but then she gets to the bottom or she's falling and falling and falling and there happens to be like a guy holding a giant trampoline at the bottom of the floor and he's having a conversation with some kind of security guard and the security guard is saying, I told you I didn't I didn't order this this giant trampoline. Like why is he even here? And so it's just it just so happens to be like there's a giant trampoline. The kitty cat hits the trampoline, stays alive and bounces back up and catches the potion and the movie goes on. But like it's a random thing like that with a little bit of comedy and a little bit of a line uh, put in the right place was, you know, it was clever. I, I think I think you're starting to get the the gems and the you know, the appeal of this movie for me. And I, I that's why I'm convinced if you watch it a few more times, I think it's really going to start to grow on you. But, you know, here's the test, Bryn. The next time you go out and you meet friends, just start doing a random poll and asking them, it's like, hey, have you ever seen The Emperor's New Groove? 
and ask people that are, you know, in our age demographic and just see what the response is and see, you know, how many people tell you like, oh, I've never heard of that movie or I, or it'd say like, oh, I love that movie. It's, it's one of my <laughs> favorite. It's, it's hilarious. So I want you to start carrying a notepad and start taking that random poll with people. Okay. I'll put this poll on this podcast so you, our listeners can answer. Have you seen yeah, Emperor's New Groove? Do you like it? I mean, check the poll questions, people, because there's going to be some good ones here on this podcast. I'll, I'll do that. The popcorn poll. The popcorn poll. I was going to say, too, Troy, that the way I'm talking about it might sound like I really like the movie. I don't think I'm as excited for it as I'm coming across, if I'm coming across it all like that. But it's not terrible. It's just not a, an instant Disney classic by any means. I kind of lump it in with some other films along that time that I think got lost in the shuffle as well. Maybe these films, you would probably know more about them than I would. But what about like the one that came out the year after Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Treasure Planet? I kind of lump it in with those films as like a, a weird era of Disney films before they found their footing with with Pixar and eventually with Tangled. But I don't know. Are those films on the same level as Emperor's New Groove or are those ones just garbage? I would say Atlantis is not it's not a good movie at least in my opinion it was visually it was interesting i don't know if you know it was the visual style was inspired by mike mcnola who was a comic book artist he created the hellboy franchise in comic that's definitely not my favorite i would say that movie's okay at best but that was more of a science fiction type film too which i thought was very different for like a serious science fiction film very different for disney yeah now treasure planet and both these movies i saw in the theater Treasure Planet, I actually enjoyed because I love Treasure Island. It's one of my favorite books. I love the original Disney Treasure Island. I thought this was a good, like, futuristic telling of it. I just thought the action was great. I thought the animation was great. It was the same, I think it was Musker and Clement who also did Little Mermaid. They did a great job in, on the visual look on it. It definitely had a lot of CG. It wasn't CG like Pixar CG, but it was... Yeah computer generated images on there mm -hmm. um, so i definitely like that movie a lot more than i liked atlantis it's not once again it's not in my top 10 of disney films for treasure planet but i actually enjoyed it i know a lot of people who didn't enjoy it or probably never even saw it but uh and i think part of it's nostalgia because i do love the treasure island story and i love the original treasure island movie that disney put out so that might be part of the appeal why I like it. Emperor's New Groove to me is is head and shoulders above both those movies. Yeah, and, and I also think probably is. that Emperor's New Groove was also a bit ahead of its time because before then animated features were pretty much musicals. A lot of even other studios were kind of, you know, mimicking the success of Disney and doing musicals. And I think Emperor's New Groove was Groove was the first one to kind of just do straight comedy yeah. and no music. No, why they go no away from sense. that formula though? Wasn't it working like extremely well, well, like with these hits they had in the '90s? Like, why it, would they? Well, they had some. They, well, they were starting to have some failures, and I think Tarzan was definitely a hit. And like you said, it wasn't a straight-on musical because I think other than Kala singing that one song, um, mm -hmm. it was just you know songs played over the movie. Yeah, but they it was like a Phil Collins pretty, album, basically. Right. <laughs> but they had had some kind of high profile like misses like Hunchback on Notre Dame wasn't a big hit. Pocahontas wasn't a big hit. So mm -hmm. I think they wanted to try something new and, you know, did a straight comedy, which I think was hilarious. I think it was a little bit ahead of its time because. But this wasn't a big next... hit either. 
arguably. It wasn't. Right? This was not yeah. a big hit because I think it was a little bit ahead of its time. But when you think a couple of years later, another movie came out from DreamWorks that was a straight comedy that was a huge hit. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Uh, I guess you're talking about Shrek. Exactly. So, yeah, that was huge. Right. And that, you know, and that kind of was more comedy, like straight comedy. And it had another SNL alum, obviously, with. Um, yeah, uh, maybe it, this was the Shrek before Shrek. You know, I this is so. what I they think... were trying to accomplish. They just weren't right. They just weren't there yet. Yeah, Could. I think part of it was the marketing for Emperor's New Groove. I also think the timing when they came out. I think this came out in December of 2000. It was also when How the Grinch Stole Christmas came out. 102 Dalmatians came out that time, you know, which I think sucked a lot of the energy and box office and the buzz from Emperor's New Groove. Mm -hmm. A lot of more people went to go see those movies. So I think this movie is slightly ahead of its time. I would definitely rate this movie with Shrek. If not, I think I enjoy Emperor's New Groove more than I enjoy Shrek. Wow, that's saying a lot. You're not wrong. I mean, I looked back on the Rotten Tomatoes score. It was 86%. Take that how you want it. But the critics did generally like the movie. That's a pretty strong score. I think the audience score was around the same. It'd be 84, 85%. But for me, I don't know. Maybe it just it lacked a little bit of the magic. I did hear that originally the part of Pasha was written for Chris Farley. So maybe they were going for some of that Chris Farley, David Spade, you know, magic they had with with uh, Tommy Boy or Black Sheep. Maybe that was the original direction they had. And then, you know, God rest his soul. Chris Farley had he passed. Um, they brought in John Goodman. But maybe if they had Chris Farley, it would have been that much more enjoyable for me. Possibly, I think. Possibly, Chris, I think Pasha Pacha would have been a completely different character if Chris Farley had played it than the character that John. Goodman oh yeah, made totally. You can't. Those, those are two very different acting right. styles or voice styles. So right. Who knows um, what we could have gotten. You said marketing too. I don't remember a huge amount of marketing for the film. I remember maybe that hearing about it coming out, but I think even looking back, I thought it was about, before I even saw the movie, oh, it must be about that story about the emperor's new, new clothes, clothes by Hans right. Christian Andersen, which is a famous tale about an emperor who walks around naked, but he thinks right. he has clothes on and he, he makes everybody else tell him he has clothes on, but he's really naked. And I thought based on that story title and this movie title, oh, it must be the same related kind of story with the Disney take on it. Totally wasn't. Not like that at all. That In could fact, be a problem I had too. Yeah, the original Kingdom of the Sun, which was the first iteration of this movie, was more a Prince and the Pauper retelling, you know, where the prince and a peasant kind of swap places. And I think that was more the inspiration for the film. The Emperor's New Groove, I can see how you can make that uh, assumption that it's a Disney t retelling of the Emperor's New Clothes, but it's right. it's not related to that in any way whatsoever. So the marketing was pretty bad. I mean, I I went and originally saw it because I was watching anything that Disney came out with. Yeah, but I, I mean, like a daughter, you a young daughter, of course. Yeah. So the marketing, I think those all those things kind of tended to the fact that it wasn't a a box office hit when it came out. In fact, it was. I think it only made like 170 million internationally, which you know, it didn't have a huge budget. I think it it has made money. Um, it wasn't a runaway success smash that Disney was used to. I mean, Troy, you're a wealth of knowledge about this time period, about all these films, which is awesome. This is why you're my partner in crime on Popcorn Society. I learned a lot. It's totally, you don't think 2000s that far away, but it's probably 23 years ago. It's kind of crazy how we've gotten this far. And a lot, of, a lot has changed in the Disney animated film landscape since then. 
but going back and picking out a, a film such as this was enjoyable for me. Again, I thought the movie overall was okay. Not an instant Disney classic. I can see all your points about what makes it great. I do think it's a good, solid film. It does have its shortcomings and problems, maybe that much more what I like to see in a Disney film. But uh, overall, it's I'll give it a Popcorn Society, not bad take, <laughs> which is lower than your rating. I can see why you picked it. I'm kind of glad you did. I'm glad we got to talk about it. Well, I definitely want you to put a poll out there, and I'd love to see what our four listeners think about this movie. Yes, so. all you four listeners, make sure you enter the poll. Let us know, have you seen it? Did you like it? What's your favorite Disney animated film? What's your favorite Pixar film? Let's talk everything Disney animation and make this a part of the popcorn society. Great. Anything funny, final thoughts or touches you want to put on the Emperor's New Group before we kind of tease what's coming up down the pipeline here? No, I'm actually anxious to know what we're going to talk about next. All right. Well, now that we're going to move on away from Disney animation, we're going to go into something that's more in my strike zone in the superhero genre. And our next episode, episode six, we're going to take a look at the recently released DC film known as The Flash. A lot of, uh, you could say, controversy, good press, bad press. I mean, we could talk about that film for hours. We're not going to talk about it for hours. We'll make it you know, shorter than that. But I'm looking forward to talking about The Flash with you next week, Troy. What can you tell us really quickly about uh, The Flash without giving us any spoilers to our next episode? Give me one or two words like to describe it. Not good. Not good. Okay. Well, but, if you want to hear a, a podcast about a not good film, this is your spot. <laughs> this will be your opportunity. I think you're right. I think we can talk a lot about this film. We won't talk about... If I talked about this film ad nauseum, this podcast would be six hours long. I am excited to hear your thoughts on it, although we can let our listeners know we did watch it together. So. We did, as it turns out. We did watch this together on opening weekend, even though you wouldn't have known it by by the theater and how many people were there. So but I can't wait to talk about it. We'll, we'll let the audience be hanging on the edge of yeah. their seats to see what we have to say about it. Yeah, let that marinate. Until then, it's been, it's been great talking about Emperor's New Groove. Hope you guys all can take something from the moral of the story, which is to be humble, have humility. Don't be a jackass. Don't be a llama. Troy, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you so much. And you keep popping over there, Troy. No kernel left on pop there, buddy. No kernel left behind. Thank you for listening to Popcorn Society. Have a good one. Peace.